Hey everybody, welcome to Healing Together, a podcast and community that I have created in order to provide comfort, inspiration and healing. My name is Martin, I work as a counsellor and yoga teacher and I'm interested in the power of community and stories. And so me and my amazing friends will share with you some of the ordinary and extraordinary experiences that have shaped our lives, often talking about the struggles and finding a way to shine a light on some of the darker corners of your heart and your soul so that you can find a new kind of strength, practicing openness, kindness, and hopefully being able to be grateful for everything that comes your way. We are stronger together. Let's all find different ways to guide each other home to that place of peace and fulfillment. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back. Episode 17, part 2, which is part 2 of episode 16 and 17. (laughs) So I'm sitting here on Saturday night. It's currently, I think it's minus 4, minus 5 outside. Let me check on my phone. Minus 3, but it feels a lot colder. And so I am sat in this what is basically an old, badly insulated barn (laughs) on the hillside, and it's so cold. So I've got the fire on, but the logs that we use are quite moist. Um, Like that word. (laughs) Some don't. Best used for cake, I feel. Um, So yes, (laughs) yeah, have a house full of smoke as well, which is lovely. And we are going away for a few days tomorrow. Uh, So I've got the dryer on, getting the clothes all nice and clean. And I'm going to clean the house after this and go to bed. And then, yeah, we're on holiday after I finish this recording. So I am delighted to be with you in my uh, jumper, hoodie, gilet, and heating on (laughs) and I'm still cold (laughs) but never mind I talked to you about this cold and darkness because that's actually how I want to kind of theme this second part of the um well of of, of episode 17 and it's what I realized when I went to um when I was halfway through recording the first part of this, which was actually there's a real significance in going through these dark times that perhaps resilience and a knowledge of who we really are can't be reached without going through pain, without going through suffering. Uh, It's something that I've been pondering quite a lot recently And when you're able to recognize that and maybe step out of a kind of victim mentality, you see that your strength is in actually helping people um, who are struggling 
and I guess the people who are easy to help maybe aren't those who can really help you develop your gifts. But the really important bit that I used to forget, because I think I always knew this, the really important bit that I forgot and forgot repeatedly was that I mattered. And what was coming from inside of me was equally, maybe if not more important, and that that needed to be checked in with first before looking to offer this out to everybody else. And I really do feel that I do that now. And in some quite extreme scenarios, certainly with clients, you know, working with people that I know other counsellors wouldn't, um, being alongside them in their struggle and sitting with them in that pain is only really possible because, and, you know, sitting with somebody in their pain is, is compassion. And only, it, I feel it's only possible for me to really offer that compassion through my own lived experience of having to offer that to myself, of being able to sit in my pain and still find a way to value myself, to know that I'm worthy of being here. Um, it, yeah, I, I think that's why I needed to go through this stuff. I really do. And I often say to people and, and clients, I mean, clients are people, um, but, you know, people who aren't clients, uh, as well as clients, that whenever I'm in a period of struggle in my personal life, I always have this really great advantage that I can at least be grateful for the fact that this will give me some lived experience to be able to use in supporting others. I really believe that's what pain is for, you know, to help us to connect with those parts of ourselves that wouldn't be possible without that. And I think that's where it doesn't become suffering any longer when you can move through the pain and use it to become even more of who you are. So, and it's kind of the whole idea of this podcast, you know, using the darkness and shedding some light on it so that we can all help each other to help ourselves to all help each other. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm going to share with you the ongoing story of um, my dark night of the soul experience and, uh, and, and how I came out of that and, and integrated the experience, which helps me now. And don't get me wrong, I can often dip down into some of the sensations that I experienced then, but having gone through it, I can catch it quicker. I've got the tools that are now well practiced and sometimes I have a near miss that I didn't even realise I'd gone through, which is really cool. But I am grateful for the ongoing challenges of which I will come to towards the end. <clears throat> and so I left you uh, around about Christmas 2017. I was just going to go into Christmas. And at that time, I was about eight, uh, no, no, about six weeks into the training for the Lakesman. And... Not feeling brilliant, but kind of hopeful about what the year would bring. At this time, I was similarly working hard to the previous Christmas, which I'd talked about 
in the in episode 16 about the um, failed adoption and I was doing all of the same work so I had my counseling business which was around about uh, you know 20 25 hours a week uh, I was teaching yoga many classes a few less actually but I was still teaching quite a few running the yoga studio dealing with some of the problems that came with that I was working for the community interest company slash charity, which was taking a lot of my time for very little appreciation and nothing in return and still going crazy on the fell walking. Um, yoga was much more a part of my life um, day to day, not just in my practice, but kind of who I was spending time with. And I was really delving deep into all of this stuff and yeah feeling quite enlightened um and experiencing some of the positive parts of that but then also starting to realize some of the ways in which i was living and had lived my life that meant well that that was no longer serving me these ways were no longer serving me and yeah everything was starting to fall apart and so I went to visit my lovely friends, Jill and Jamie, down in Manchester. Uh, I think it was like the 28th of December. It was just a few days before New Year and had a great time with them. Love them so much. They are incredible hosts and really, really know how to look after you. Um, just had a wonderful time in their beautiful house. And you know, they are both into fitness. And so it was really nice to connect with them over that and, uh, you know, practice some yoga with Jill. She was, she's really into that and, and open. So it was nice. And then on the way home, I stopped off somewhere for a coffee and logged into Grinder, And um, Jill and Jamie were living kind of very uh, east of Manchester, um, like southeast of Manchester. I can't remember the name of the place. It doesn't matter. Like I want to say like Glossop or Mossop or somewhere like that. Anyway, so I had to come up around the ring road to northwest Manchester, which is kind of like the Oldham Rochdale area. And I think that's where I'd stopped off for coffee and to get some fuel or whatever. And um, I was still in my um, big Volkswagen Passat, which I didn't get rid of until a, a good I think two years after that, actually, with no baby and no yoga mats because I had a yoga studio now. Mm. And obviously no baby. Um, so, yes, yeah, just uh, remembered that. And uh, so I logged into Grinder and up pops this profile and was different in the sense that I felt like this person was really interested in me. This guy was really interested in me. It was Will. Um, and, oh, the conversation was just, you know, flowing with an unfamiliar ease because it's re it's like getting blood out of a stone chatting to somebody on Grinder. They generally just want to meet up and use one of your holes or have you use one of theirs, and that's kind of it. Um, very little humanity involved there. Uh, and God, we'll have to do another episode about all of that. But, um, yes, this was refreshingly, um, kind of connected and yeah, it was just like, oh God, this is flowing really well. And, um, as I was driving home, it dawned on me that this was a guy that I'd actually engaged in conversation with last time I was down in Manchester in the summer 
well, uh, that was one of the trips that I didn't mention after the adoption. Um, but he kind of went quiet and nothing ever really came of it. But it was him again. And anyway, it just felt like divine timing, you know, that I would stop at this service station, that he was online. Of course, he said to me, he said to me, oh, I'm never really on Grinder like ever. So it's it's really amazing that we we kind of we you know we met up uh, we 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 got in, in in contact in this way once again, um, and yeah, it, well that that you know wasn't necessarily the truth, um, but it certainly appealed to my better nature, and uh, yes, so oh we chatted we chatted we chatted and it was just and anybody out there that uses dating apps you'll know that feeling when you think you've found finally somebody that you can connect with it's just amazing especially when you're looking for somebody um i mean i wouldn't have admitted at the time that i was but i was um and so yeah we chatted all night and i was like oh my god what a what an end to the year you know after everything i'd been through maybe i have been sent somebody um and i'm you know i'm quite romantic in that way I, I believe that you know we're given what we need and i felt like i'd been working so hard and i'd sacrificed so much and i had you know and and that was very true so yeah i, I deserved this and he was just full of the compliments um talking to me about all of my interests in so much detail asking loads of questions just got just felt so seen. It was just delicious, so lovely. And uh, to the point that we arranged to meet. And this was my first red flag. So he said, let's meet in Blackpool. And being a bit of a snob, I was like, I don't really want to go there. You know, a bit rough. And, you know, just not the way that I would like to spend New Year's Eve. And it's okay. I know I'm being snobby. It's fine. I've been back since and made my peace and had a lovely time there. So I was wrong. But then that's what I was like. And I was like, oh, God, I don't want to go. And I indicated that to him. You know, I said, oh, well, perhaps, you know, we, we could go to Manchester or we could go to Lancaster, you know, somewhere a bit more for me, <laughs> I suppose, and he sold me some idea about how he he played in a brass band. So um, he was from, well, he is from um, a place near Old, well, he lived in Oldham, but he lived a lot of his life in uh, some villages in the hills, just kind of on the, oh God, I've forgotten the name of it. Um, I've bloody forgotten the name of it. There was a place called Diggle. Um, let me just look on my phone. Uh, Diggle and anyway, it doesn't matter. This lovely place in the hills and it was very countryfied and very traditional. And they they had brass bands and they all uh, they all um, competed and that was his passion. And it's a bit like on Strictly Come Dancing when they go to Blackpool to the ballroom. There they kind of they go to Blackpool with the brass bands and have this particular. Um, uh, leg of, of competitions that they do and it was very much about him and of course you know being open and wanting to understand more I was like well actually come on Martin you know just go along see what it's like obviously he's a really nice guy we should enjoy this and so anyway I went 
And I'd seen his pictures and I'd looked on social media and all of that. And they were all very nicely presented and he looked quite cute, blonde hair. Um, I didn't have any idea he was he was as short as he was or his um, his skin was as bad as it was. It didn't it didn't show up in the in the filtered pictures that were posted. Uh, so when I saw him, he was this kind of very bouncy, uh, tiny li- little person, um, kind of like jockey sized. Um, and I was like, oh, and my gut, you know, was like, oh, I'm I'm not attracted to him. Um, but he seemed pleasant and we'd had such a lovely conversation and I was like, do you know what? Go with it. Have a good time. It'll be nice. And so we were staying in this place, which wasn't that nice actually. Um, and oh, it's all coming back (laughs) first night. Um, so we, and I went into his car and he had said to me how he loves nice things and he really, um, he was a barber and he said that everything was like immaculate and um, that appealed to me, you know, and I think I'd mentioned in previous episodes where Amram said about my house at the time, it was all very neat lines and uh, lots of white everywhere and (laughs) very, you know, very um, Instagram worthy, if you like. And so he had appealed to me in this way and I saw his car and, you know, all of the footwells were covered in like McDonald's wrappers, um, cigarette packets, like just shit everywhere. Um, and he must have noticed the the look on my face. <laughs> oh God, look, it's me. It's how I, it's how I was, maybe how I am still. Um, and he'd said something like, oh, God, I've just had such a busy time. I've been helping a friend move house or something, and the car's a mess, and I can't wait to get it cleaned. You know, I can't wait to get it cleaned. And he was full of all of this. And, of course, I, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, that, that's fine. Um, so I went to this bar, and I wanted to find, like, a really nice bar, you know, somewhere where we could maybe get, like, a nice New Year's Eve cocktail or five. Um, and then we went to this really, like, dingy place, uh, and he seemed to be absolutely in his element. And I thought, oh, he's enjoying it. It's Blackpool. You know, let him have a nice time. Um, let him have a nice time and ignore how I felt. Hello, this is the pattern formed on that very first meeting. And so, yeah, so we um, we had this night. And then there was just this absolutely amazing moment where I was absolutely sucked in. And I remember it. it it's where... I left every sense of him not being the right kind of person for me at the, well, in the sea at Blackpool. Um, Because the way that he talked to me about the adoption, I was really vulnerable. It was the first time that I'd really talked about it with anybody that didn't know about it um, in, in any kind of detail. And he just said all of the right things. Um, Yeah, I'll just leave it there. But it was... Yeah, and he even said to me, you know, I would love to adopt children. Um, you are the kind of person that I would love to um, to do that with on our first night that we'd met. I mean, we'd been chatting for maybe three days constantly over message and, and talked on the phone quite a lot. So, yeah, all right, we hadn't just kind of met. But, um, you know, and I think I cried that night, actually. And... Yeah, I just felt very seen and supported and it was like everything that I'd really wanted. Um, And then we went back to the hotel and 
when he was drunk, I noticed this change in him. Uh, it was really strange. It was just like, and I, I know this now quite clearly, and I've spoken to lots of clients about it in the past, but I hadn't really experienced it myself at this point, like my own life experience. And he he just turned into somebody else. You know, that's the best way I can describe it. He lost the facade and I guess the truth came through. But in that moment, I was like, oh, what's wrong? He must just be really drunk. Um, and he became very distressed. So he didn't go to anger at all. He, he was, you know, he was very agitated. And I thought, oh, we'll, we'll just go to bed, you know. And we, um, we'd had, when we went to check into the hotel earlier on, bear in mind, this is the first time that we'd met. We'd had some kind of sexual um, interaction, I suppose. Um, wasn't that satisfying? The idea of it was. And the idea of it being like that later on was definitely it, you know, for me. Um, so I thought that's what we kind of would do when we got back. And and that didn't happen at all. He He actually ran off to his car to get something. Um, and I was a bit drunk too. Um, but it was just one of those horrible, like what is going on here? Kind of drunk experiences where it very much doesn't feel okay, but you, you put it down to the alcohol and the situation and what have you. Um, and then he came back in the room. Oh, he went to get his cream for his eczema. Um, this is why I mentioned his skin earlier on, by the way. And when he took his clothes off, I noticed that his body was ravaged in this extreme eczema. And it, yeah, it kind of disturbed me. And he itched like, um, he you know, he was kind of possessed by what was ever inside of him. And it was, yeah, he, he itched, 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 itched. And there was blood all over the, the bedding and, um, and his clothes and everything. And... Yeah, so I went to bed kind of a mixture of disturbed and blissfully happy. And into the new year we go, you know, I've met this guy. Um, so it wasn't New Year's Eve, it was the 30th. Um, and I, I then this was on the 31st. <clears throat> and um, we had a lovely next morning. It was all forgotten about, you know, nothing was mentioned. I knew not to mention it. Uh and so we just got on and we, we got back to this kind of nice, you know, oh, we're going to be together forever type of thing. And um, we had a lovely day. He indulged me taking some pictures of, of posing in yoga poses. And um, he told me that he's predominantly vegan, even though um, he wasn't. <laughs> um, but I believed him. I was like, ah, oh, this is just the right person for me. How lovely. Um, and anyway, said goodbye to him and felt very hopeful, excited. Um, and then when I got home, I did my New Year's Eve post and this is what I said. So thank you 2017 providing me, for providing me with one of the most growthful years I have had. I've been lost many times and I've learned to be patient, keep working hard on myself I'm becoming my own best friend as I stumbled through. Paravita Surya Yantrasana is often referred to as compass or sundial pose. I love the image of moulding my body into a tool of guidance, especially one used when you're lost and need to find your way back home. 
if I've learned anything at all from my years of practicing yoga, it's that I already have my own built-in navigational system. My body and spirit knows exactly where I'm going. And when I find myself lost, I try to remember that when stumbling through the woods, not knowing which way is which, it will just take some time before the path out of the woods becomes illuminated and I find my way back home. Sometimes you can have the most unexpected, perfect moments where everything seems to come together and make sense again. I'm feeling supremely, supremely grateful for such a moment captured in this picture, taken today by an angel sent to me, somewhere I never expected to be. But I have to say, I now love Blackpool. Oh, cringe. Uh, Happy New Year, and here's to 2018. Remember, we are all here to help each other as we stumble through this crazy, beautiful life. Big love to you all. Thank you for helping me. And then a little uh, camera with a flash uh, crediting Will with an angel prayer and uh, eyes loving emoji. Um, yeah, God, that's really weird reading that. Anyway, so there we go. Happy New Year. Uh and we continued all of the conversations and I began to realise within a few days that he would only ever speak to me when he was on his journey somewhere. So he would never uh, want to speak when he was in the house. He lived with his parents at the time. Uh, living with his parents was a temporary measure while he was between houses following splitting up with his ex. Um, and that breakup was all his ex's fault, by the way. He hadn't done anything to deserve the way that he'd been treated. And I think that was the case with his last two exes as well. Uh, I, I found out. Uh, so, yeah, so we only spoke when he was in the car going to somewhere. And because he worked in uh, this place called Diggle, um, and he lived in Oldham, it was about half an hour's drive, and it was over like the top of a mountain. So we would have a conversation before I got to the top, a conversation down. And as soon as he would come home, and I was there waiting, you know, like I was like clockwork, waiting for this time when he would finish work and when he would go into work where we could speak. And he would message me, actually. Um, and I noticed that he was always online, like always, always online with WhatsApp, always online with Facebook Messenger, um, I had, uh, as I always did when I found somebody that I liked, I was like, and I'm done with Grinder, deleted, uninstalled. So I never did check him on that, but I guess he was on that quite a lot too, probably. Um, and, uh, yeah, so very quickly we settled into this pattern where basically everything was on his terms and I was just there like some lovesick puppy uh, being grateful for any attention that I got off this wonderful man that had come into my life who I actually wasn't physically attracted to and didn't like any of his habits, um, you know, smoking, uh, drinking excessively um, and eating foods that he said he didn't eat. I mean, I wasn't judging him. If he wanted to eat meat, he could eat meat, but it was a fact that he said he didn't. Um and I, I knew this, you know, I'm like, I'm really perceptive. Um, so I ignored every bit of my inner guidance here and, uh, you know, whatever crumbs I was being given, even within these first few days, you know, it's fucking crazy. 
Um, but it, you know, it, it's 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 evidence of where I was, uh, and so we arranged to meet um, a few days later, and I uh, he was supposed to come to mine, and he did. He did come to mine actually for the first and last time. Uh, I think I probably got a bit kind of manipulative and you know, had said how much I really wanted him to come. And I think he was still trying to kind of get me uh, like hooked in at this point. So um, so he did come to mine. Um, and I think where I had got that, um, got my own way, I suppose, um, I wrote this pause, post, sorry. Try not to lose yourself while opening your heart and feeling the amazing benefits of doing so. Stay grounded. I talk a lot about opening the heart and this is awesome, of course, because the power of love is truly the strongest force in the universe and the most powerful tool for healing. We must remember balance is always important, especially during the heady and heart-pounding initial stages of opening up. Check your mental and emotional state to make sure you are approaching this from a grounded place within yourself. Are you sure you're going to be okay no matter what? Are you enough for yourself and is this experience adding to that? Take each moment of this heart opening experience as a way to love yourself more as well as experiencing love for the object of your experience. Love is endless. You can light an infinite number of candles with one burning flame. Keep your flame burning bright so you can keep lighting the others with yours. Well, if only I'd listened to myself. Because <laughs> I fucking didn't. Oh, my God. So at this time, I was basically planning my um, Lakesman training plan around when I could see Will. Bearing in mind, this was on the 4th of January and I'd met him a week before. Uh, and not really had a very good time with him, but I thought it was brilliant, you know. Um, so I was planning um, this, you know, uh, increasing um, commitment that was needed for my training plan. I guess I was up to about 10, 12 hours a week of training then, and then obviously all the getting changed and all that shit. Um, so, you know, I always used to kind of up the training hours by 50% for like the driving to the pool, for getting, you know, my kit on and then getting cleaned afterwards and stuff. So that was, you know, taking about 20 hours of my week and I was still working like crazy. So I started to um, realise that I was going to have to lose some of my responsibilities. Otherwise, if I was going to give this relationship a chance to flourish. And it was at that stage that I started having conversations about getting cover for my classes at Bridge at the yoga studio. And uh, what else did I do? Um I was already considering really knowing that things weren't right with the charity that I was going to need to start bringing things down a bit there. So it felt like a good opportunity, you know, it's time for me now. I've, I've got this, um, you know, potentially uh, blossoming relationship to invest in. And so, yeah, I just started drawing all of my energies from all of those places. And at that time, friendships were already taken quite a hit from all of the different ways in which I was using up my energy um, and you know they were definitely one of the first places to go and one of the first places that I needed to have um, and I was really starting to experience like some of this perfectionism this obsession over having things a certain way 
And just the day after that post that I read to you then, I then wrote this. We all need to look into the dark side of our nature. That's where the energy is, the passion. People are afraid of that because it holds pieces of us we're busy denying, and that's by Sue Grafton. This last week, I've had some of the most perfect highs, and I feel so grateful not only for the beautiful experiences I'm having and have to look forward to, but the opportunity this is providing for me to work on not being attached to these experiences. I was really trying not to hold on. I have also had a couple of extreme lows, losing a loved one yesterday and knowing I'm about to lose another in a few days. So this was uh, mine and Ryan, my ex's dogs, Geordie and Seth. Um, Seth very unexpectedly died. Um, I mean, he was 14 and he was on heart medication and uh, pancreas medication, but uh, we'd been under kind of the the illusion that the medication had provided that he was he was fine uh, and he suddenly had a seizure and it killed him um, very unexpectedly and we were actually about to even before Seth died make the decision to um, uh, euthanize 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 yeah euthanize Geordie, because of his cancer, which was in his nose and had, had kind of started to spread to the rest of his face, making it difficult to breathe and eat. Um, obviously, you know, uh, essential functions of life. So, uh, so Ryan called me after I was teaching this yoga class and he kept saying, it's Seth, it's Seth. And, and it wasn't, I was like, no, it's Geordie, it's Geordie. And he said, Seth's died. And so it was such a shock to lose him and know that we had Geordie, you know, kind of any day. Um, so this was a really, um, I mean, I, I was heartbroken. And so that's where I placed all of this difficulty that I was feeling at this time about Will. It was confusion. Um, and it was a great place for Will to... So when I was talking to Will about, you know, when are we going to see each other? Oh, God. When are we going to see each other? What are we going to do? When are we going to plan? Uh, and he was being resistant about that. I, uh, you know, I, I could say, oh, I think it's just because I'm upset about Seth and Geordie. And, and he would talk to me all day long about Seth and Geordie because it wasn't about him and him having to take any responsibility for our communication or anything. And... Uh, yeah, so, and I, you know, I was aware that this was bringing up lots of other stuff that I'd attended to earlier on, uh, like before Will had even come onto the scene, knowing that I'd had a hard year last year to do with children, uh, you know, with not having children because of the adoption. So I was in a real mess. I didn't know where my intense emotions were coming from. And, and I wrote, the intense emotions I feel from both of these deserve my attention. I'm working hard on the darker sides of me, emerging through these experiences emotions. My desire to hold on and prepare for the worst, to be manipulative, to keep what I so love having. And then I wrote, fortunately, I don't need to do this, but the desire is there from past trauma. So, you know, I was blaming all of this other stuff for how I was feeling with Will. To feel guilty where it's not needed and to save facing up to my choices made with full awareness. To make excuses for the things I need to do because I have challenges elsewhere. 
Looking inward is the only way to learn what lessons are being presented through experience and emotions. I'm feeling grateful for my highs and lows, but I'm looking forward to more easily flowing times once I've learned what this time has to teach me. <sighs> and so, yes, this was awful. Um, it was really starting to go downhill. And I mean, goodness, this was only like a week and a half after we'd met. And then it was my birthday that weekend. And Will had said that he was coming to mine uh, for my birthday. I wanted him to meet friends. It was my birthday. I felt like it was okay for me to, you know, to insist really on what, what I wanted for my birthday. It didn't feel unreasonable. Um, and he'd said, yes, absolutely, we'll do that. And I again, I felt, I remember it now. I was like, I don't believe you. Um, but oh God, no, Martin, you're so distressed over losing Seth and then Geordie next and all of the shit from last year and all these distractions elsewhere. It's not Will. It's not Will. Um, and then on the morning that he was due to come to mine for my birthday, uh, he sent me a message and said, I've got a surprise for you. Um, we're going to go to Skegness. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, no. <laughs> um, you know, and I'd, I'd planned my weekend to be at home. So that, you know, that was important for a few reasons. Um, like packing, for one thing. I didn't pack anything. I didn't tidy the house up or anything. Um, and he said, well, I'm going to go anyway. Um so if you want to be with me, you'll have to come. And I was like, where? Uh, and he said, it'll be amazing. It'll be so nice. And so basically the reason for Skegness, which is a very long way away, it's like, God, it's, it's, it's so far away. Um, and he said, oh, we have this um, band evening. It's again, it's another, oh, another thing to do with him playing in the band. And all of his friends were going, the band that he played in. So this was clearly prearranged. And, yeah, he was going. Um, Butlins at Skegness. Um, again, I know I'm a snob, but, well, I am. Um, and it's just not my scene, you know. Like, I love people doing whatever they want to do. And I don't love me not doing what I love doing. Um and I was quite kind of in my power about that. But of course, you'll get to meet my friends. You'll get to get a bit more of an insight into my world. And I was like, oh, it's actually quite romantic. You know? Yeah, it is. What a surprise. He's obviously surprised me with this. And any difficulty I feel about it is just due to all the shit I've got going on at home. So take me away from everything here and I'll, I'll go down there. And so... I had to drive. Um, I think I paid for everything, even though he had lots of money, apparently, and his parents were rich. Um, never seemed to have any money on him or his cards or whatever. So we went in my car. Um, it was his music that he wanted to play in the car. And again, I thought that this was romantic. He was wanting me to get to know the band. So he brought me a present which was his band CD uh, that they'd had produced. So we listened to all this brass band music on the way down. And again, I was in my element. I was like, oh, it's, 
you know, feeling uh, really included in his life. And, oh, it's just lovely. Um, my sister spoke to me, actually, before I went and gave me, you know, I know she knew what was going on, but she was trying gently to help me see that uh, or to check in whether I did or not. Um, so anyway, I uh, I reassured her that everything was fine. And we went to... Um, we went to this place and it was everything I don't like. Um, but I tried my best. I felt like a fish out of water. He didn't, he kind of introduced me to his friends and then left me with them. Uh, and they were all there, obviously, in their own group. So I was sat kind of on my own for a long time in this strange place that I didn't like and basically just forced myself to enjoy it. So um, these lessons I was uh, needing to learn about people pleasing, etc., just went totally out of the window. Um, same drunk thing that night. And I love this part of me actually, because there was a guy there. So Willard took off. I don't know where he went. Um, and there was this guy that was interested in me. So basically I started dancing with him cause I was pissed <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of had a little bit of a fight back. Can you believe this? Only like two weeks after we'd met. Um, and, uh, yeah, Will just kind of went into some temper and uh, then started crying and we had some sort of drama back in the room. And once again in the morning, it was all forgotten. So we had another day where oh, I just wanted it to end, but I you know, was convinced I was having a good time. And then the next morning, um, we... Ryan called me and said that he was taking Geordie to the vets to put him down. And of course I missed that because I was away. And so everything that I'd been feeling over the weekend, the last year, I'd kind of not really processed Seth dying. I kind of felt like I had to hold on until Geordie did or something. And I broke down and had a bit of a panic attack. Will was there. Um, he was there. That was kind of it. Um, and then we were driving home and I just kept kind of having these waves of emotion come over me where I would start to, you know, mildly hyperventilate and needed to pull over and was just crying. And I could tell he was becoming frustrated <laughs> with me. Um, and then about an hour before we got back to his, um, he said that he'd had a message that his ex had tried to, had gone missing and somebody was worried he was going to kill himself. And so we entered into, my stuff like went totally out of the window and I stepped into helper mode and, you know, he was very distressed about his ex who had gone missing. And, you know, I think at the time I remember thinking, oh, this is a good way to find out about him because he hasn't really talked about him. Um, so, you know, I was, I think I was listening on a deeper level, um, but yeah, really deep down. And in these extreme moments, I did kind of find, I suppose, my voice. Um, and yeah, when I left him, I couldn't, I had to drop him off up the road from his parents' house. Um, you know, I thought I might meet them, that kind of thing. He'd said that they knew that we were going away together and that he'd met somebody. Um, and he just kind of scuttled off and said, oh, I'll see you soon. And... I was heartbroken all the way home. My stuff about Geordie had come back in and Seth and um, I was feeling, you know, just, yeah, just 
all kinds of a mess, just really awful. Went home and just didn't know what to do with myself. Um, yeah, God, it was just awful. And obviously all of this stuff with Will was just starting to build. Um, and so the only thing I could do was my training. And I did. I absolutely did. Um, I wrote on the 20th of January, what a week. I have never been so pleased to see the end of it. Once I'm showered, I'm going to enjoy my rest. A little insight into some of the challenges. I lost the second of my amazing dogs within 10 ways, which absolutely floored me. I did three hours of swimming, four hours 30 on the bike, and ran two hours 15 minutes with a stinking cold. Also, I had a cold again. <laughs> um, thanks, body. Uh, usual work with clients and teaching eight classes and realised I've got loads more healing and processing to do over last year's events. Somehow, I feel good. Please sponsor me for Lakesman, as it's a massive challenge for someone who couldn't swim eight weeks ago and only played around on a bike and ran two half marathons. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. I'm going to get cosy with the fire on, with some great company and food. That's why I was feeling good, because this was the first weekend Will came up. He'd never come up before then, and he did come up. And he uh, didn't want to meet any friends. He said he just wanted it to be me and him. Um, we did go out for some food, and I wanted to show him around. Um, again, I paid for everything, I remember. Um, and you know, I'm not bothered about that kind of thing, but I just noticed it was incongruent with what he'd said about having loads of money and being generous. And by this point, you know, he was eating meat, even though he said he was, um, predominantly vegan. And I obviously didn't mention any of that. Um, there was another issue with his skin and yeah, it was really starting to, I don't know, starting to feel uncomfortable for me but I was just so convinced it was all going to be lovely and I thought if I just keep trying harder I'll get what I want <laughs> that's really honest but that is what was going on um so just after Will left that weekend I was telling myself I'd had a lovely time and then I wrote um 22nd of January I've been quiet on here lately on Instagram. I am all out of balance. I miss my process in time, of which my Instagram feed is a big part, but life has just been so full of highs and lows. They keep coming and it feels like a balancing act that I've not quite mastered yet. And the picture I posed was back in France the summer before. And I say, unlike when I felt steady as a rock in this balance when super calm in France last summer. Sometimes I want to go back to feeling as I did then, but so much of what is here now was being managed away from me, by me. But I am not in control. None of us are, even though I felt like I was then. Life and love are doing their best to show me what I'm made of, and I'm going to let them. But I must continue to seek this balance and a sense of groundedness as I move through this current phase. And yeah, so... There was a few days later, I posted, if you don't know how it's going to turn out, it's not courage. So I was gaslighting myself here and saying, keep going because you're being courageous. This doesn't feel right, but just keep going. And yeah, I wrote some lovely words about um, 
about Natajarasana dance, suppose, which is all about dancing through the ups and downs of life with a smile on your face. And I said, I've got to see myself. Typically, I went straight for the bad shit. I'm a perfectionist. I've been deeply hurt in the past. I am actually more controlling of the environment than I thought. I get so tired. I'm scared of loads of things. I want normal stuff. I get lonely. I am a mess. <laughs> and the reason that I wrote this was because I, in the midst of all of this, was still working. And this is a really difficult thing for me to talk about with you. Um, yeah, still working shitloads. I'd, I'd kind of pulled back some of my responsibilities that were other than my counselling. But for me, counselling has always um, been kind of a positive return on my investment, whatever that investment is in terms of energy, time, etc., uh, compassion, whatever, it always returns positively. So it never felt like it was taken from me. And I was particularly heartbroken one of these mornings over just all of it. You know, I didn't know what the fuck I was upset about, but it was, I think really it was Will and what was happening with him or what wasn't happening more to the point. And, but I had all of these other things that were there too. And I'd woken up and I was really upset and the doorbell rang and I opened the door and it was this lovely woman who was a client and she said, oh, we've, we've got a session. I think it was half nine and she could tell I was upset. I mean, I shouldn't have answered the door really. And I had a spy hole in that house. So God, I shouldn't have opened the door, but I obviously just wasn't in my right mind. And I said, okay. I said, as you can see, I'm, I'm a bit upset. I've just had some bad news, I think I'd said. Um, so, you know, should we should we reschedule? And she was like, well, I'd, I'd really like to see you, but obviously if you're not in the right, you know, you're not right, then, you know, we won't do that. Um, and then something happened and I just shifted into gear and I was like, no, actually I'm okay. You know, I'm sorry that, you know, I've messed up the appointment time. Give me five minutes. I'll put the kettle on and I'll go and get changed, wash my face, you know get the armor back on and be there for everybody else. And, uh, yeah, I came downstairs and, you know, we, we had a, a, a decent session. Um, and she said to me, I need to know how you are. And I want you to tell me because you have talked to me about how this is a real relationship and that you're congruent and that you, you know, will, will be as you are a fully feeling messy person that knows that it's the the connection that is the most important thing. And I thought, oh, fuck. And so I started telling her and, you know, I got very upset and she was just wonderfully supportive. And the whole time I was feeling everything other <laughs> than what I normally would like to feel in this environment, which was unprofessional, unbounded, um, you know, being too open is kind of not the right way to describe it, but just being open in a way that wasn't coming from a grounded place in me. You know, I more I'm more than happy to self-disclose, um, you know, which puts me at the edges of person-centered practice. But but I do, and I've talked about how there are many benefits to doing that, which have been researched and definitely proven in my practice. It's actually the thing I think that most people 
benefit from in terms of uh, working with me, that I'm real, like really real with them. But this was a step too far, and I still know that now. And I uh, I wouldn't change it, but it it's really hard to admit. And um, the only way that I could mitigate the impact of my um, kind of over-realness was to not charge her for the session. And uh, thankfully, you know, she um, she accepted. So that made me feel a bit better. And I felt, you know, so incredibly seen by her. And actually, you know, what we did share, and I've got to be careful because I don't want to give any details about her process, but it, it you know, my, I will say bravery, um, in sharing in that environment where I would have said it was totally inappropriate to, and I still do, um, helped her with some of her own process, and it was incredibly growthful. And anybody who studies person-centered counseling, this was a moment of true relational depth, and never have I ever felt more connection through um, kind of a deep genuine sharing of what was going on in the moment you know it kind of uh surpassed any techniques that might be on offer in terms of supporting people you know the pain the shared pain and compassion for one another was this incredible bridge to connection and it was amazing but i am totally not proud of how it was achieved and still feel really quite difficult about that but i won't allow the shame of that to rule me because, you know, shame doesn't like to be spoken of. And I am trying to give myself empathy and compassion here for what was going on. And I, indef I definitely was doing my best. And she benefited, you know. And the overall theme in, in my practice is to not do harm. So I know I didn't. But I don't like the way that I went about it still. And I guess I'll just continue to work on that. And I'm hoping by sharing that with you that that will help me with this. So we're now at the end of January. And I did a couple of posts which were describing all the anxiety that I was now feeling. Um, talking about trying to you know move through the anxiety. Longing once again for last summer when I was enjoying my uh, exploration into yoga and all of my traveling. And yeah, it was starting to get really um, kind of unfulfilling with Will. And I was realizing just how very controlling he was. And again, you know, continuing to gaslight myself and just say that it was all my other shit. Um, I was taking moments or like these crumbs of attention from him. Um, I was going down there to visit him lots, again, paying for everything, doing all what he wanted to do, regularly dealing with these drunken outbursts. Um, he was beginning to start to kind of turn that towards me. Um, but something always stopped him. Um, and I guess it was probably a, an acknowledgement of who I really was. Um, he could see it. Probably everyone around me could see it. Um, inside me, I saw it and I was speaking about it, but I definitely wasn't behaving in that way. Um, I 
had a trip planned to Barcelona at the beginning of February with Fabio, um, just Fabio, actually. Uh, and, yeah, I was just really struggling. I, I didn't want to go, you know, and even the thought of going was making me feel homesick which was really interesting, like this homesick feeling for me is very similar to loneliness. And uh, I've spoken a bit about loneliness this last few weeks, actually, with people. And you can feel very lonely, even though you have lots going on around you, which I definitely did at this point. Um, and felt very lonely and sick, like while I was doing my training. I did keep showing up for that, by the way. Um, I've got an update on the training in a moment at this time. Um, so I was having to, you know, try and negotiate my training around wanting to see Will, around work and around this trip to uh, Barcelona. And I wasn't going to go. And when I got there, God, um, my heart just broke open um i was really struggling being on my own thankfully marcus and biliana lived in a studio apartment and so fabio and i were sleeping on like a big double bed um a big double uh, sofa bed uh and i really needed that like physical closeness to these people that i trusted and i felt incredibly needy the whole time didn't want to be left on my own. And, you know, when I think back to just six months earlier in the August when I'd had that amazing time in Barcelona, wandering the streets freely, you know, meeting new people, like such a sense of being okay in myself. And this was the exact opposite. Um, Will was pissed off that I was going and felt very jealous, yet paid me no attention um he actually went out on the saturday night and wasn't answering his phone um was was online all night um and uh was online until about five in the morning i sat up watching my phone all night um oh god it was just absolutely awful that sick feeling in my stomach um, he made up some bullshit about how some friend had fallen out and he was in a taxi with some guys. Ugh, God knows. I was, you know, I was beginning to just think, oh, what the fuck, like, what am I doing? But, you know, still had this hope, this awful hope. Uh, and so, yeah, I, um, I referenced this in the last, um, I think, think it was in the last uh, the last uh, the last show um that there was this moment in the studio in um in Barcelona and we were doing all of this heart opening stuff and i was truly like quivering to the point of a panic attack in every pause that we did that involved me kind of being exposed um obviously i was just feeling incredibly on the edge and everything was activating um like was activating to me um <clears throat> was activating all of this energy inside of me just wanted to burst and uh in the shavasana i lay down and i was kind of shaking on the inside anybody who's been in through anything traumatic will know that you get that that kind of those internal tremors so that was happening and these tears were just flowing out of my eyes but it wasn't like crying, 
it was just like, yeah, just, just these rivers of tears coming out of me. And I was trying my best to not let the tremors inside build. And something in me just said, just let it out, let it out. And literally I felt like everything was breaking. Um, oh God, it was so awful. Just one of the lowest, darkest, most horrible places. And obviously I'd invested so much in this relationship and, you know, externally it wasn't really anything you know we'd only known each other for like five six weeks um I remember at the time I I used to kind of lengthen the time that we were together to give it more meaning to people who I was talking to about it and you know I started to see this glazed look on people's eyes when I was talking about it and all of the the mourning that I was doing about it um wanting people to I don't know. I don't know what I wanted from people, really. Um, yeah, it's just so awful. And, you know, like, it was really spoiling my life. Um, and so this was going this way, and it was horrible. Um, and I thought, well, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to do my training. That is my one constant. I've got to do this training. And it really did keep me going. Um, so 11, I wrote in the early February, 11 weeks ago, I couldn't swim. I was a flapping, choking, panicking mess of arms and legs. And it felt like shit, particularly knowing that I had to do a two and a half mile open water swim only nine months away, now over just, just over four, before completing the 112 mile bike ride and 26.2 mile run. I was frightened of pretty much every aspect of it, but mostly that I was really bad at it and there was nowhere to hide that fact. Swimming has made me feel more vulnerable than I've done in a long time, more than I ever did in my yoga practice, and that really pushes me. Certainly swimming has offered me the awareness and growth potential normally associated with yoga asana, yoga postures. The difficulty turning up has only just started to ease. Today was a bad case of that. I'm starting to feel like I never regret turning up to a session now, though, no matter how hard it was getting there, a phrase often reserved for yoga classes. I'm learning how to work with my ever-changing body to help find more ease in the water. I'm learning not to overthink or try to be perfect. Uh, in brackets, I'm still raging that I didn't know this until swimming highlighted the fact that I was a perfectionist. <laughs> I sometimes have to focus solely on one breath to the next to keep myself calm and stay in the moment. These are skills that I look to cultivate in my own yoga practice and the others that I teach. I never knew I would get so much out of this, i.e. the swimming. It is a truly amazing journey and has taught me to get over myself, turn up, face the fears and just do it and keep doing it, trusting I will get there. I now have a pretty competent front call and expect to do the two and a half miles in one hour 45, well within the cutoff time. I think I might even keep swing after the event. I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't. <clears throat> and so interestingly, as I was going, you know, into this descent uh, and everything was unraveling, anxiety, and extremely low mood, disconnection, 
Um, this loneliness feeling. I'm sorry, I didn't finish the loneliness conversation earlier on. So loneliness um, being a sign of being disconnected from you. Loneliness being a sign that you need yourself is a quote by somebody. And don't get me wrong, we need connection to others, absolutely, this genuine connection and support, but only as a means to connecting to yourself and finding out who you really are and what's going on for you. And I was very far from being connected to myself. Um, I think on a deeper level and my writing seemed to indicate that that connection was there, but I definitely didn't feel it. Um, and so as I was losing that, I started to realize that I just had to strip some things away. The training was the only thing that felt like it was going well in my life. And so I, and of course I still wanted to try really hard with this relationship, even though it was just fucking shit. Um, and he was a shit. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, at the beginning of February, just after I got back from Barcelona, I, um, I announced that, um, I'd made this ridiculous decision to move bridge to another premises, which wasn't suitable for insurance or anything else, really. Um, it was just kind of, you know, treading water and just grabbing onto anything to stop me sinking, um, and, uh, yeah, that's a bit embarrassing, actually, that that I made that decision and announced it and, you know, involved other people's businesses in that. <clears throat> um, and I also said that I was going to be taking a break from teaching. So I'd recognised at this point that I needed my yoga for myself to get me through the lakesman and all of this other stuff that was happening. Um, and I was hoping that this would give me more time to spend with Will and... I even contemplated me being me and being like super efficient. I'd even started looking at yoga studios down there to try and teach. I was going to open up a second practice and, you know, go move there with him. This was, this was seriously in my mind. And even worse, he was up for it, you know? And I guess he probably was, there was something about like his investment in me thinking I had lots of money or something, which I, I didn't and I don't. Um... But all of that just wasn't stacking up. And yeah, he was saying all of the right things. Um, and so, yeah, um, you know, we, uh, yeah, so I announced that. And, you know, the girl who I was in business with was going to step up and take over. Um, I was stepping down on all of my things. You know, I was literally stripping everything away and um what else was going on at this time so valentine's day oh my god this was horrible so i'd put loads of thought into what i could get him how i could show him how much he meant to me um and so he didn't do anything um didn't even acknowledge it and just made up some excuse and <clears throat> I wrote on Valentine's Day, love, it's all changed for me. I used to think it was about having a plan, keeping my feet on the ground, knowing where I am and where I'm going, having a hold on it, being in control. But it never went, but I never went anywhere, except maybe away from myself. I am still tempted to play it this way, 
but less and less because miraculously something way better is on offer these days. Now it's about taking each day, each moment as it comes, and it's about get lifted up, getting lifted up to where I now remember I wanted to go and losing my breath as I do sometimes. Going back to the simple but important things in life, feeling scared to choose a loving action when experience tells me to play it safe, letting go of heavy weights that kept me from flying but made me feel safe, and so much more. I'm seeing myself be who I want to be. It's not always easy, but it's always rewarding. It's about trusting something more than my crazy mind, not being concerned with outcomes, allowing the unique path to emerge and being grateful for the challenging aspects as well as the typically beautiful moments. I'm enjoying my heart beating a little stronger, faster and feeling more alive than ever. So I was really in the thick of it. Really in the thick of it. And yeah. So we had a weekend and me trying to um, find a way to make this work and very much using my head to get what I wanted, which was him to love me, I suppose, and show me that. Um, so we went to Kendall for the weekend and I planned it. I organised it. We were doing what I wanted to do. And I was quite certain about that. And when we got there, like he was incredibly late incredibly uh, I, re I realize now because actually he was very disorganized and his life was very disorganized and that's why he you know never wanted to come anyway that's why he always wanted me to go to him that's why I, I had to do everything because he was in such disarray um so he arrived it was incredibly moody i think we had some kind of fight before we went out and tried to make it up and as soon as he got a few drinks down him uh, he started to ease up and I could feel him coming out of that like horrible energy that he was in when he arrived and was settling down and the alcohol helped. And, you know, we start, I, I was really like driving to meaningful conversation, you know, trying to talk about us and he never, ever would, you know, he always, always had an excuse. I always wanted to find out more about him. He knew everything about me. Um, and any time I tried to go off on my own, whatever that looked like, you know, so I've said, oh, I, I would go and meet a friend. He would send me, I don't know if anybody else knows about this, but where you get like a repeated, um, sorry, uh, a multiple texts through. So your phone beeps every time. It's like almost some kind of um, torture. Um, so like one word text, beep, 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 beep. So it was always like this if I ever went off anywhere on my own um, that he didn't know about, you know, and it was me kind of being defiant and saying, well, fuck you, I'll do what I like because you are. Um, but I always got, you know, very clear signs that that wasn't okay. And... I think that's kind of what was happening when I'd organised this this night away in Kendall. It, it was on my terms, and so he took some actions to show me that that wasn't okay. Um, but anyway, the alcohol seemed to help him come round. And we'd, we'd had a nice night, um, and I was, you know, it didn't take much from him to make me feel like I was on top of the world and he was solving all of my problems. 
So, um, you know, I was feeling quite good about myself, like with the training and everything. So it definitely, I, I really do feel like my, my yoga practice and my therapeutic, um, uh, like journaling, I suppose, which was my, my sharing on social media, which is why I've used it to track this journey and, 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 and tell the story, um, that and my turning up for myself with the Lakesman was giving me this strength that was building. Um, and it was uh, it was such a juxtaposition to the being embroiled in this emotionally abusive situation. Um, so no wonder I felt a fucking mess. Um, and I think Will was probably like a bit perplexed by it too because he knew what I was like underneath. But, you know, he tried then harder to keep that strong part of me down. Um, and so I was out that night and I was dancing, I was flirting with people. I think, you know, just as a fuck you to him, really, like the truth comes out when you're drunk, right? Um, and yeah, he wasn't happy about that. And this isn't some kind of typical, like turning into physical abuse story. There was, you know, some of that stuff there later on when we went back, but that, that, that wasn't the point, the the damage was all of this emotional stuff, which started on day one, to be honest. And I was only susceptible to it because I was in such a, a vulnerable place myself, too, too open and not connected to, to me and what I really needed enough to withstand the impact of that. And it was very intense. And uh, he just went into some rage Um and then after it all calmed down, he was lying in the corner of the room, curled up in a little ball, like a little baby. And I just didn't know what to do. Um, I just thought, I've got no idea what I'm dealing with. He seems very damaged here. Um, you know, and I said, what do you need? And he was talking about how his mum and dad hated him and, you know, all of this childhood stuff, which was clearly part of what was going on with him. Uh and I thought, oh, you are not, you are not who you've said you are, and certainly not what I need. And that was a real moment of kind of awareness of of truth. Finally, you know, it was starting to come through, and I felt galvanized by that somehow, even though it was breaking my heart at the same time. Um, and as usual, next morning everything was fine. We went for some nice breakfast somewhere, and said goodbye and I felt heartbroken that he was going and all of this stuff. Um, and then I ran a retreat in, it was my first ever retreat <laughs> at this lovely place at Skelton, which is just north of Penrith. And lovely Ben was there, Ben Green, who wrote that um, gorgeous poem, See You Soon, which I wrote, uh, read out a while ago on the, on the pod. Um so he was there and lots of other people. Some of you might be listening to this. And of course, you know, I did what I needed to do and I um, I turned up for that retreat and I've got no idea how I did it actually. But I did have um, my friend hosting it with me and, and my other friend doing the food. So it was fine. And Ben was there, who was a real support. Um, so yeah, we got through and, you know, I invested an incredible amount of energy into that weekend and... Uh, quite a few people who were on that retreat have come on many others, so I'm guessing they had a good time. I guess I can, <laughs> I can show up when I really needed to. But this was me at the bottom, by the way. Mm. 
and after we'd finished the retreat it was a really beautiful day you know those kind of late winter early spring days where the sun is still low and and lovely kind of lemony light and it was yeah it was just gorgeous and I just had no idea what to do with myself at all truly um truly no idea only a few weeks earlier I tried to have like one of my nice Sundays that I used to have on my own and you know as I say only six months earlier in the summer after the adoption uh, one of those Sundays would be to walk up a fell or a few fells take some pictures go to a local pub for a pint grab a pizza on the way home and enjoy a night in and just you know having this gorgeous time on my own and so I tried to recreate that just a few weeks earlier and I had the shittest day and I, I recalled um I, I think I wrote about it that I was like it just shows how different I am because I have had one of my perfect days today and I couldn't feel more different um kind of heartbreaking really that what was going on on the outside was was irrelevant because what was going on, on the inside was so very different and um but I thought I'll have a go again. I thought what I need after this retreat is to just discharge. So like loads of good advice to myself. Um, Will was a nightmare during that retreat because he wasn't getting all of my attention. Um, I did put work before him, to be fair. Um, and I was I was actually increasingly putting the, the training before him too because it was making me strong um, in all ways. And so I went to walk up Skiddaw. And as soon as I started walking up that windy path as you come from the base of Latrig, um, you know, I was using my legs, breathing. It was quite meditative. And it just dropped me down into the truth of how I felt in that moment. And I cried all the way up. All the way up. It was quiet. It was late February. There wasn't many people around. And literally that kind of, <laughs> kind of crying, you know, um, but I kept walking and I got to the top and I remember some really beautiful times up there and, you know, this just felt so empty and low and I just was, I was desperate for myself, but what I was desperate for was to feel like I had felt up there before and I thought, I haven't got my fells, I haven't got my... um you know, my sense of enjoyment of my life generally, you know, I'd like, I, I had enjoyed the retreat, but only because I like totally disconnected from everything else in my life in order to do it. Um, my training was my only focus. I was losing my work. I was losing my studio. I was definitely losing some friends at this time, ones who I've got back, thankfully. <laughs> um, totally disconnected from my family. I was going to move down to Manchester to live with this incredibly wounded emotionally and otherwise uh, you know abusive you know little boy really and and so as I walked down the hill and the sun was going down I was like I need to give up the lakes man this is draining me this is what's doing this to me it's the problem it's been the problem and so I made a decision to quit that night and kept it to myself. <clears throat> and I went home 
<laughs> tried to have my pizza and my glass of wine and it felt like shit. Um, but I was relieved because I'd given something up. I I felt like I'd finally listened to myself and I'm sure I had some conversation with myself about how that was it. You know, I'd realised what I needed to let go of. And then I woke up in the morning and I was ready to give all of the money back. I'm sure we were up to like three or four thousand pounds at this point for the charity that I was um, I was doing it for, for my friend who'd lost a baby. And yeah, was gonna, you know, I had some kind of inspirational post to write about it, about letting go and things don't turn out the way that you think and all of that. And as I sat there, I couldn't do it. And I was like, this isn't what you need to give up. <laughs> this isn't it. And I, I went and did my training and I still didn't really know the way forward, but I knew what I didn't have to give up. I knew what direction I was going to go in. And that felt like the beginning of, of things turning around. And don't get me wrong, it got lower in terms of the feelings and the experiences, but I was definitely not giving that up. And I still had no idea how I was going to do it and all of that. But anyway, um, and interestingly, my training really started to pick up from that point on. I'm sure if I look back over my Strava, I think I remember like I went from an average of um, 25 kilometers an hour on the bike up to 30, like overnight. Um, the swimming just started to become enjoyable um and it was you know it was it was it was going to get to spring but then we had the beast from the east and will was due to come and visit me um so i was going to a hindu um my lovely friend bev's hindu felt like a piece of shit don't get me wrong like i was i'd made this decision about the lakesman but i still had no idea how i was going to sort all of the rest of this other stuff out and there were loads of problems at the yoga studio the woman who was was kind of preparing to take over was falling apart at the seams and causing all kinds of problems um but i wasn't teaching at this point so i did feel better for that uh and so i went on this hindu and it was the beast from the east this terrible snowstorm in early uh march and um Will, again, was just a fucking nightmare because I was away somewhere and I was, you know, trying to ring him and trying to get him to, like, be nice so that I could have a nice weekend. And, yeah, I just absolutely dragged my way through that Hindu. Um, I look back at some pictures and I can see the sadness in my face. Um, and I was wearing all black. And, you know, I was, like, you know, the the trimmest and, and toned I'd ever been. And I still felt the need to hide myself in black that weekend. Um, tried my best to be life and soul of the party. Do you know what I mean? But it was just like dragging myself through tar. And it was nothing to do with who was there or, you know, anything like that. It was, it was where I was. And Will had promised that he would come up and see me uh, when we got back. Um, and... To be honest, to be honest, he probably was valid in that it wasn't safe to travel. Being where he was, living where he was, it was quite bad there. Um, but I'd just driven up to Edinburgh and the roads weren't bad. And he was using the M6 as the reason. Uh, but it was fine and I knew it was. And I just challenged him outright. And, and I said, you don't want to come 
you don't want me. You don't want any of this as it is. You know, you want me there for a phone call on your way to work, on your way back. And you don't want me to be with anybody else or doing anything else like friends or um, you don't want me who I am. Um, and, you know, he did all of the gaslighting, like you're just, you know, you're losing your mind and all of this stuff. And I said, well, okay. I said, you come and, you know, everything will be fine or or don't and we'll see what that is. And he didn't come. And so I never contacted him and he never contacted me. And that was that was kind of it. And I was absolutely heartbroken. And that was really the, the kind of the bottom when things really started to turn. And, you know, this was me coming out the other side, really. I had a month of what I call, you know, being in the depth of the, the dark night of the soul. Um, there was a sense of relief because... I knew he'd gone, you know, I knew he, I challenged him with truth finally, finally, after two and a half months or whatever it was. Um, and he, he showed that he, you know, he didn't want the real me. who was somebody that was strong and um, knew what they thought and felt. And the first time I did that, he ran away and uh you know i was looking on his whatsapp to see when he was online i was looking on messenger and you know something in me said you've got to cut loose you know and i did loads of work on how to heal a broken heart and all of that stuff that i use to this day with clients you know this ted talk that i watched on it and it said you know you've got to remove all of the triggers um get rid of your things stop listening to the songs all of that you've got to go cold turkey from this person and I did it. I did it all. And it, it was so, so painful in every way. All of the hopes gone. Um, but I was doing really well on my training. And I think after about three or four weeks of this darkness, literally just getting up to do my training, seeing my clients, um, again, you know, client work didn't drain me. Um, I was sharing with them that, you know, I was in a difficult place, but it was in a, it was in a professional and boundary way. It was, it was different to that time that I'd mentioned to you. Um, it was always there for me all the way through. And I, well, it was there for me and I was there for it. And it was kind of like that with the, 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 the training, um, we were there for each other, I suppose. Um, and I started to get strong and about, I think it was the beginning of April, uh, the weather had started to improve after the, you know, the beast from the East and all of that stuff. And yeah, I thought I'm, I really started to believe I was going to do this. I was going to do this. Um, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was like, God, I am actually going to do this. And it was Bev's wedding. So I think it was like four or five weeks after the, after the Lakesman. And not the Lakesman, after Will fucked off. Um, And he did, like, I never heard from him actually until August that year. Um, By which point I was far better. Uh, And... um, yeah, and it was Bev's wedding, and I ordered this lovely suit and this really cool bow tie. My hair was looking good, you know. It was it was really great, and um, 
I went with my friend Kerry and uh, who I who had started the whole X-Men journey with and continued it with. And I remember feeling really nervous and I thought, I don't want to feel like I did on the hand who I really don't. And then I woke up that morning and I was like, the clouds have parted. It It's over. And oh my God, it was such a good feeling. And I still had a lot to do, you know. Um, I had to sell the studio still. That was all going on. Um, I was pulling back from some of the other work uh, that was increasingly appearing toxic, but it just felt like that dark night had ended and there was just a few shards of light coming through the clouds, but that was enough. And I, I, I got myself back and, you know, I went for those walks and they were enjoyable again. And I thought, oh my God, I never, ever want to lose myself like that again. Um, yeah, it was an amazing feeling to be back and it still hurt. Everything still hurt like it did, but there was a possibility again because I was being me again. And, you know, many people commented and said that they kind of wondered where I'd been and over these last few months and, uh, yeah. And I... Yeah, just kind of ploughed through the training, um, did my first few open water swims. Interestingly, we'd had the beast from the east, but then we had a really hot time in April and May. So it was perfect for training and the lakes got warmed up. I mean, don't get me wrong, I hated I hated lake swimming and I was frightened of it, but I could do it. And I think what I'd been through had kind of, you know, and I kept looking back through my posts and I was like, you know, Martin, you were in there all the time. You were talking to yourself. You were giving yourself this advice. And I just kept relying on all of that to, to do what I needed to do. Um, I had all the kit. I, you know, I was getting excited about buying tri-suits. And, yeah, I was doing these 100-mile bike rides and, you know, swimming three, three and a half K regularly um doing you know getting up and running you know almost well like you know tw 20 miles that kind of thing uh yeah and i'd made a decision that once the lakeman lakesman was finished um i was going to be on my own <laughs> and so i decided to move into the house that i'd bought when me and ryan had finished which i'd had rented out for four years and i thought i'm going to do it up it's going to be a fresh start. I'm going to come out the other side of this dark night of the soul and, you know, celebrate that with a successful lakesman. And I'm going to get a dog and it'll just be me and my dog. And I'm going to just enjoy that this is over and savor the lessons and see what life has to bring um, on my own. And so, yeah, I did all of that. I was getting the house uh, renovated while I was finishing off the Lakesman. I was due to move out the week after. Um, on the lead up to the Lakesman, I had this moment where Carl, my trainer, had said to me, take the event as a celebration of everything that you've done today. Um, and so I started thinking about what has this event taught me? And... I thought it's finally taught me that I'm enough and that I don't need to prove that to anybody. 
who I am and how I am right now in any moment is exactly who I need to be. And if you don't get that, then you need to fuck off. And if you do, come with me and we'll help each other do better. And that I don't need to prove anything anymore. And that was what I was celebrating when I did the event. And I remember thinking, seriously, I remember thinking, I don't think I'll do the event. You know, I I have earned that charity money for that for the charity for Sands. I have definitely earned the right to say that, you know, I celebrate what I've done so far. And I, I, I seriously contemplated not doing it almost as proof that I am enough without doing it because I've learned what I needed to learn and I've I've got what I needed to get out of this. And I mean, I did do it. <laughs> and I remember on the day, apart from a few issues earlier on with the swim and my um, my abdomen being a bit uncomfortable uh, and that causing me a few problems on the bike, I did it and I got a good time for a beginner, certainly a beginner who um, couldn't swim <laughs> nine months earlier and uh, hadn't really spent much time on the bike. Um, I smiled all the way around that run. I fucking loved it. And I felt amazing. I really did because, yeah, I, you know, I, I did I did a really good job. Um, and I did a really good job through this Dark Night of the Soul experience as well. And I continue to, to, to you know, to learn these lessons right now, right in my relationship that I've got now. And I'm going to spend this last 10 minutes talking about how it's me that's changed and the world around me might not have in some ways um, and how very much staying connected to yourself can and honouring that can absolutely change the outcome of whatever situations that you end up in. Um, specifically with emotional abuse and what that can look like. Um, so to lead up to that, uh, did the Lakesman went on holiday to Barcelona again and had the best fucking time. I went to Pride. I partied all weekend, did everything that I wanted to do, had some of the best sex I've ever had, so free and, like, in love with myself, so I was able to enjoy that, you know, that love that I was sharing with others. Um, and I had my puppy, Pippa to pick up when I got back from Barcelona and we moved into our new house together the day that I got her. Um, to be fair, it flooded the first night that we moved in, but it didn't matter because I was I was on a, a an actual high um, and I was very familiar with what was an unnatural high, a forced high from the time with Will. Um, and just had the best, oh, the best time with little Pippa and yeah I was just so relieved to have myself back it was like the best present I could have ever had um, I continued training and enjoying that after the event um, I you know started getting back into teaching yoga and was really enjoying that process um, I began exploring other aspects of who I was. So I really wanted to make the most of this new baseline that I was coming from in terms of my self-worth and um, wanted to kind of break down some of my internalized homophobia and, uh, you know, judgments about certain things regarding my sexuality. 
and that that was enjoyable and I met somebody that I had a very uh, kind of platonic but sexual connection with and that was um, platonic and sexual is that right like a um, a non-romantic sexual relationship with um, and that opened my eyes to all kinds of things so it was really really freeing and just delighted to to be me um worth every little bit of what I went through I can't tell you um it was amazing and uh and then at the end of October I was back on Grinder exploring the sexual side honestly I was doing all kinds I loved it I was gonna be with couples um I was exploring other forms of polyamory I mean I never actually did anything I didn't do it, but um, I didn't really get started on it. I think I was a bit scared, but um, oh, <clears throat> just like trying new hobbies and just incredibly refreshed. And then I got a message from someone on Grinder who was called Amram, and I just thought this was going to be a one-off encounter. You know, I was more than happy to be doing that for me. Like it was all about what I could get out of these experiences. And I mean, we all know how that went, but uh, in a moment on my sofas, which I've talked to you about, everything changed. And I was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> but it was very different. Very, very different. All the lessons I'd learned with Will were fresh in my mind. And uh, I'd actually met with Will a couple of times uh, in that kind of phase that I was in I wanted to go and show him who I really was and show myself me being me in his presence and I saw him as I saw him on that first day without all of the the sheen that I needed him to be so I could feel good about myself I saw him as a wounded little boy with so many issues with his parents um yeah just a bit of a mess um and yeah kind of felt sorry for him and uh, wished him on his way and he did try to keep in touch with me but I wasn't interested I, I'd already let him go um so that was quite a nice ending that closure but yeah Amram came along and there have been and continue to be moments where I feel like I felt with Will at times in my relationship with Amram and, you know, to be fair to him, I'm not going to talk about his personal process. But I come at those states that I enter with him in such a different way. And truly, if I met Amram, certainly before I met Will and did the Lakesman, I don't think that we would be in a healthy relationship at all. I don't think we would be in a growthful relationship. I think that... I would feel a lot more like I did when I was with Will a lot more of the time. Let's just put it like that. Because, you know, we all have work to do and some people have attended to that work more than others. And in the absence of that, there is struggle. And, you know, I now see that I am meant to be with somebody that needs me to help build them up, help them become more of who they can be. And that is part of my my 
purpose you know not just in my work but in my relationship it's it, it's my destiny you know I I am being who I can be and I get so much more from Amram because of the way in which I approach the struggles that we have and the struggles that he has and how he supports me in my struggles and you know we are a team working on all kinds of past trauma that we've both taken on and that sometimes shows up as struggles that you know people could describe as being abusive you know and it and it isn't you know it's we are both fully aware of what goes on and when we enter those difficult states like where we lose each other and we don't recognize who each other are we know what to do to bring it back we know what to do to discharge that energy that's taken us away from each other um and we come back together and we do we separate and then we come back together and try to learn and do better next time i have never trusted anybody the way that i trust him and it's because i trust myself <laughs> you know there is no jealousy there is there is complete trust that he only wants the best for me i know that and whenever his behavior indicates anything other than that, it's because he's in struggle. And I see that and I don't take it personally. I don't become a victim nowadays. I did a bit early on while we were still figuring each other out. Um, and so, you know, things can appear very similar. And depending on what's going on inside of you can make it a very, very different story. Um... And yeah, and I have said this before, you know, had I not done the work that I'd done on me, I would be in similar relationships that I'd always been in. And uh, I'm delighted that I have someone like Amram who definitely keeps me on my toes because I would be bored if I had somebody that, you know, didn't have the the potential to become even more of who they were, you know, like I don't think there's such thing as a fully realized person, but somebody who is on that other side of the work, I don't know if that would be fulfilling for me, you know? And so I choose the, I choose the challenges <laughs> that we have. And that feels like really fulfilling to, to say that and to know that I've chosen what I've got and I'm working on it. We're working on it in ways that make us both realize more of who we are and you know for that reason it's healthy um but it's fiery it's up and down it's all of the stuff um but it's a very different thing and i know that what i've been through before helps me see this for what it is now and yeah so it's that was kind of coming to me over the last um few days after i'd been up to the house you know going back to that house that i had that relationship with will in well twice he came um was it twice or once <laughs> i think just once but i lived a lot of my pain with him in that house and i stood in the living room and i was like i feel strong and i was strong then i'm that same person i was always inside I just didn't know it. <laughs> I just didn't know. I just didn't see what everyone else could see. Um, and that's what my dark night of the soul meant to me. It was about being able to see myself for who I really am. 
And fuck me, I shouldn't have to have gone through all of that to see it. But do you know what? I did. And actually, on the other side of it, I learned loads of lessons about how to be in the world, how to be with other people, and how to actually be me for who I am. And so I'm grateful for it. And I'm grateful that it created the space for Amram to come into my life and for me to continue to get to know who I am through the struggles and the challenges that we face together. Because I know on the other side of those struggles, on the other side of the darkness, is always this amazing light, that feeling of lightness as the clouds part, as the darkness lifts, as it warms up again. It's there on the other side. And so see what you can learn in your cold, in your darkness in this time. Make it something that is growthful. Do the work beneath the surface to find out who you are and the lighter days will definitely come and you'll be in such a better place to enjoy them if you let yourself be in the darkness. So, this has been longer than I thought it would be. And I still have the clothes to sort and I still need to them for um, I'm really glad I did this and I'm really grateful to you for listening and hopefully being able to see yourself in some of what I've shared um, hopefully found some inspiration as well in terms of how you can perhaps think about yourself and your life differently in more helpful ways to help you get back to the core of who you are and find the courage to be that person because that's what this is all about. To shine a light on the darker corners of your heart. To remember to just keep practicing that strength. Stay open always and try and keep your kindness. It's a, it's a really difficult practice when you're struggling but it is worth it, I promise you. And knowing that you've got so much to be grateful for particularly the hard stuff so I will see you when I get back from our break I love you all so much and thank you for listening to this important work and I'll see you soon bye bye